And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Ready to form Voltron! This is a job for Superman. Power Rangers! Right away, Michael. Autobots, transform! By the power of Grayskull! For the honor of Grayskull! I'm the Doctor. Everybody and welcome to the 45th episode of Charlie's Geekcast. I am your host Charlie Niemeyer, and today we are returning to Superman's Bronze Age, but jumping up quite a bit. Uh, we're moving up to 1983 uh, for the start of what promises to be a, an exciting new era for Superman. But before I get into the comic book and do any promos or anything, I wanted to uh, real quick give a little bit of a background since we're jumping head, jumping head, jumping ahead about almost a decade since the last issue we looked at. So just to kind of set things up, during uh, Marty Pasco's run in Superman, which ran from about 1976 to 1978, after bringing it into a short romantic relationship between Lois and Clark, one of his subplots was bringing Lana Lang back into Superman's adult life. Uh, she returned after having spent some time in Europe. And since she had a background in TV news, since... She was shown in the Silver Age as working for WMET. She was brought in to be Clark's co-anchor at WGBS. This, of course, complicated things for Superman because she was a snoop and made no secret about her love for him. Uh, but near the end of Pasco's run, he had a story in which Superman literally chose Lois over Lana, telling Lana that he chose Lois over her. Despite what Alan Moore had written in the final issue of Whatever Happened to the Man of Tomorrow. At this point, Superman and Lois actually began dating. This was something that was reflected in various stories across all of the super titles, including Superman Family, Superman, Action, well, maybe not Superboy, but DC Comics Presents occasionally would have something about it too. Meanwhile, Lana had entered into a very, very long-distance relationship with Vartox, who you may remember as the hyper-powered alien hero with the receding hairline and the weird outfit and the big mutton chops. Although by this point, we're getting later 70s, early 80s, he kind of took back the mutton chops. Uh, unfortunately for her, that relationship came to an end. And recently, as of when this issue takes place, there was a battle between Lord Satanus and the sorceress Cyrene. And in this battle, Superman got kind of caught in between and they pulled Superman apart into two different Supermen, making each one half a Superman. And this story ran, well, for the most part, about a year, over in Action Comics. And during the course of the story, it appeared that Clark had actually died. Clark had collapsed, came into the Daily Planet office, collapsed, a doctor checked him, he had a weakened pulse, then he had no pulse, and he was dead. Now, everyone was upset, obviously, because Clark was dead. But 
Lana was the most shaken up by the whole event. After he recovered, because this is comic books, and he, of course, recovered, Clark and Lana started working a little closer, and it was only an issue or two, leading to Lois accusing Lana of being in a relationship with Clark. And when the last time we saw them, it appeared that this accusation had actually nudged Lana into inviting Clark over for dinner, insinuating that she may be interested in taking their relationship to the next level. Keep in mind, though, that as of the beginning of this issue, he's also dating Lois as Superman. So, as you can see, this can complicate things. But that's going to take a big turn and a big change coming up in this issue, which is supposed to start this bold, exciting new era for Superman. So we're going to take a quick break, play a promo or two, and I'll be right back with the issue. Charlie's GeekCast will return after these promos. Well, did you miss me? Just here to tell you that the Man's Green Podcast is returning soon with new episodes, weekly episodes. With Super Friends and the Christopher Reeve movies behind me, we head into the late 1980s with Ruby Spears Super Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings in a single bound. Superman. Intercut with episode of Superboy. That's right, Ruby Spears Superman and the Adventures of Superboy. Coming soon to the Mainstream Podcast at www.com. I hope he's home. Why does it sound like I'm using a phone in the UK? told you never to call me again yeah i know and modern science has yet to create a device to measure how much i don't care look i'm getting the trailer for this year's jail made together and i assumed i had to make you a part of it since you're always in everybody's trailer or something <laughs> well look at you leading this year's jail may somebody's wearing his big boy pants so what's the theme i sent you an email like a month ago like I even pay attention to anything you send me. Countdown to Infinite Crisis. Infinite Crisis? No, Countdown to Infinite Crisis. I'm not following. Shocking. The theme this year, I'm, I'm going to, like I'm talking to a child. The theme this year is Countdown to Infinite Crisis. I thought it was a fascinating time period in DC's history. So a bunch of us are getting together to talk about the various specials and miniseries and crossovers that led up to Infinite Crisis. It's the event before the event. The whole thing is going to kick off on April 30th, 2020, with a special episode of Views from the Long Box covering the Countdown to Infinite Crisis 80-page giant. And from there, a whole bunch of shows that I will be adding in post-production will discuss these previously mentioned miniseries and crossover issues. And people actually agreed to this? Shockingly, yes! Well, it's probably a good thing that you're going to cover Countdown to Infinite Crisis instead of the Countdown series, because that was a train wreck. Yeah, you know, actually, that was my thinking, too. Now, are you going to help me with this trailer or not? Fine. I will help you with your little trailer. 
Good. Uh, don't worry, by the way. There won't be any dates for you to get wrong. I hate you so much. JL May 2020. Countdown to Infinite Crisis. The event before the event. This crossover kicks off on April 30th, 2020. On Views from the Long Box. And continues into... Aquaman and Firestorm. The Fire and Water Podcast. Robin. Everyone loves the drink. Pop Culture Affidavit. It all comes back to Superman. The Fan Holes Podcast. Justice's First Dawn. The Birds of Prey Podcast. Married with Comics. The Coffee and Comics Podcast. The Longbox Crusade. Task Force X. Relatively Geeky Presents. Wonder Woman. Warrior for Peace. And the Dr. DC Podcast. We now return to Charlie's GeekCast. Rocketed as a baby from the exploding planet Krypton, Kal-El grew to manhood on Earth, whose yellow sun and lighter gravity gave him fantastic superpowers. In the city of Metropolis, he's known as mild-mannered TV newsman Clark Kent, but battles evil all over Earth and beyond as Superman. Action Comics number 542 had a cover date of April 1983, an on-sale date of January 27, 1983, and a cover price of 60 cents. The title of the issue is Savage Awakening, written by Marv Wolfman, penciled by Kurt Swan, inked by Dave Hunt, lettered by Ben Oda, colored by Gene D'Angelo, and edited by Julie Schwartz. Now, the cover to this issue is by Ed Hannigan and Dick Giordano, and it depicts several Superman on a blank white background with the words, Will the real Superman please stand up? At the bottom of the image. At the top, we have a caption box stating, Beginning an exciting new era in the life of... And then it kind of dot, 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 because right under it, that kind of goes into the logo, which states that this is Superman in Action Comics. I don't mind the white background here, because most of, the, most of it is covered by the logo, and the bottom half is so jam-packed with Superman that any background that was drawn in there would basically be hidden. But it does serve to enhance that the top half of the image is blank. I would think that this would grab some attention. The white would probably pop out at you. The 880 Superman. I don't know how many Superman. I didn't count them. But the several Superman on there would probably grab your attention as well. Oh, and especially with the note that this is the beginning of an exciting new era. So getting into the story, our story begins... In the hills, or maybe the mountains, it's kind of rocky hills, but it's kind of small mountains, outside of Metropolis. Our favorite couple, Lois and Superman, are talking about their relationship. Lois wants more of a commitment from Superman, but he says that his responsibilities as Superman prevent him from being able to commit to a relationship. Lois, tired of having heard that old line for years now, believes that he uses that as an excuse because he's afraid to commit. At this point, Superman is apparently tired of talking and asked to take Lois home because he just wants to be alone. She declines because she drove up to the mountain, apparently, and tells him that if he ever breaks free of the box that he surrounded him with, he should look her up. As she drives off, he punches a rock wall in frustration and flies back into the city, too preoccupied to notice a fire and a robbery along the way. He also flies past the Abraxas Corporation building, and if he'd been paying attention, 
he might have noticed the company's CEO, Vandal Savage, and he's standing at one of the penthouse windows watching the Man of Steel fly by. He then monologues about his life, reminding us that he's immortal, and telling us how he's been able to attain power over the years, changing his plans and sources of power based on what the current power sources are. You know, magic during the olden, you know, way back when, and now he's using technology, now being the early 80s. Uh, anyway, he's monologuing about all this out loud while he walks down to his lab. Inside, energy is being fed into some sort of container. Looks like a big metal container. And once Savage turns the output up to max, the container starts glowing red hot before it explodes. And inside is Superman. And he stands silently while being tested against extreme heat and absolute cold. And after passing those tests, Superman takes off while Savage congratulates his men for their assistance in the first step toward ultimate greatness. We then flash forward a month. While Lois and Superman's relationship has hit a wall and seems to be coming to an end, Lana and Clark are getting closer. Savage and his men have created more Superman, and the real Superman has been keeping busy taking down the laser erasers. Or it's the 80s, maybe the laser erasers? I don't know. It's spelled erasers. Uh, plugging volcanoes, stopping an alien invasion, and defeating Lex Luthor yet again. At the end of the month, we look in on Perry White's office at the WGBS building. He's making a new hire when Lois walks in, asking for a new assignment, preferably one in another country. In the past, she's turned down such assignments due to Superman, but now that she's no longer attached to the Man of Steel, she's ready to get back to her career. Perry has an assignment for her in the Middle East, but at the moment, she's worried about her editor, who's been on edge lately. When she asks about it, he sends her out of the office, where then she runs into Clark, and basically confirms that she's done with Superman. As Lois leaves, Lana walks up and gives him a playful hug. She then catches herself from saying something she didn't really want to say, and we switch scenes to Metropolis Electric, where a sudden electrical storm sends down bolts of lightning, destroying generators, causing fires, injuring, and even killing some of the employees. The news comes over the wire at WGBS, and Clark heads out to Superman. But by the time he arrives there, there's already six other Supermen making rescues, making repairs, and putting out fires. A quick x-ray scan shows that they that they are incredibly advanced robots, even more advanced than the ones he used to use during the Silver Age, so advanced to the point where they aren't affected by the pollution that caused his original robots to have to be decommissioned and destroyed. Their mission complete, they take off, leaving Superman to wonder who created them. Over the next few days, the Superbots continue to do Superman's job for him, leaving him needing to lean on his friends for support and leaving the papers asking, is he even necessary? However, one of those friends, Lois, leaves WGBS to fly to the Middle East. As Clark sulks in his office, Jimmy bursts in to tell him about a press conference at the Abraxas Corporation, which normally wouldn't be a huge deal other than the fact that the Superbots are there. So flying to the press conference is Superman, he waits on a rooftop across the street for the revelation of who created the bots. When Vandal Savage reveals himself, not that way, Superman is shocked, thinking that he had been destroyed after the last encounter back in Action Comics number 516. Savage explains to the crowd that he comes from Earth 2 and that he wants to use this fresh start he's been given on Earth 1 to make up for all the evil he did in the past. Superman intervenes, calling Savage a liar, but is hit by a kryptonite beam that knocks him to the ground. Savage apologizes and explains that he'd hoped that it wouldn't come down to a fight and the beam was just a safety precaution 
until he could convince the Man of Steel of his good intentions. The crowd, of which there's a large one, but really only four that seem to matter and have any detail and are actually colored, uh, actually fall for this. But Superman sees through Savage's tricks and destroys the Superbots just for safety's sake. He then says he's going to take Savage back to Earth 2, but Inspector Henderson shows up and kind of intervenes, pointing out that Savage has not committed any crimes, he has absolutely no record on Earth, not even with the government agencies like the FBI and the CIA, and technically, since Superman attacked the robots without provocation, Savage could sue Superman for destruction of private property. For some reason, this keeps Superman from returning Savage to Earth 2 anyway, but it doesn't keep him from having to deal with several members of the crowd, not just the four we've been paying attention to, but a few more, asking why he did what he did. As he takes off, frustrated at himself for walking right into that trap, Savage gloats that he has won this round, and that eventually he will change the public's opinion of the Man of Steel. After all, he's got all the time in the world. Next issue, Neutron, the Nuclear Nightmare Returns. Okay, now before we get into this issue, I should also have probably explained this earlier, but I'm going to do it now. I should explain some of the real-world background regarding this Vandal Savage story. So this is all according to Marv Wolfman. I have not heard Kerry Bates' side. I've never heard... I don't even know if Julie Schwartz had a side of this that he told anyone. And of course, he's passed away now, so we can't ask him. But according to Marv Wolfman, plans were underway for the big deal 45th anniversary of Superman in Action Comics 544, and for that to introduce updates to Lex Luthor and Brainiac for the 80s. Both Marv and Kerry Bates, who was currently writing Superman at the time, sent in proposals for what those updates could be. Marv's proposal for Brainiac will see got approved, so we'll see that soon. I don't want to go into that right now. Uh, but he also had a proposal for Lex involving the, involving him claiming he'd reformed and running a huge corporation and manipulating things behind the scenes to get rid of Superman without it looking like he's done anything wrong. Does that sound familiar? Because that's very post-crisis. Apparently, Julie Schwartz liked this proposal as well as his Brainiac pitch, but he liked the Brainiac one more. And since it wouldn't be fair to use Wolfman's pitch for both characters, they went with Carrie's pitch for Luther. So Marv changed it to Vandal Savage, who was not being used at the point at that point, and he was able to kind of implement the pitch anyway. He still preferred the idea of Luther in the role, and when it came time for the post-crisis reboot, he brought out the pitch again, and it turned out that John Byrne thought it was a good idea, and he ran with it as well, and thus the post-crisis Lex Luthor. But it could have come a lot sooner, but it didn't work out, and so we got Vandal Savage, and I'm going to tell you right now, spoilers, it doesn't last that long. Okay, so anyway, into the issue on the opening scene of them at the mountain reminds me of all those post-crisis stories where Dan Jurgens would have Lois and Clark go to the mountains to talk about the relationship. Sometimes it would work and give them a stronger relationship like it did shortly after Lois found out that Clark and Superman were the same person. Sometimes it wouldn't work like when she, well, broke up with him and ended the engagement. At which point she also ended up leaving town. Hmm... I see a pattern. Anyway, uh, page one of the story, I would love to know if they had more of a conversation before Lois just jumps in with, why do you keep breaking our dates? Like, did she just walk out of the car, walk up to him and say, hey, why do you keep breaking our dates? I mean, come on, Lois, it's Superman. I mean, he's kind of busy. 
but that's that, that is literally the first thing why do you keep breaking our dates i've waited for you time after time hoping you'd show up and more than half the time you never do am i wrong in thinking we love each other and he says right there oh i love you lois that much isn't in doubt but what i am dictates what i can do i'm sorry lois but i can't commit not to you and not to anyone and thus you see the problem page two it's kind of bad form here for superman to just kind of stop lois in the middle of her thinking it almost seems like he interrupts but i think she finished her sentence but he just wants to be like lois i'm I'm tired of talking can i just want to be alone can i take you home uh and it, it really does not appease lois at all but i think it's a subtle way to show that lois has struck a nerve and number one he needs time to process it number two well i don't know what the number two would be of course, there is a caption sort of explaining this on the next page, but I like the way that it allows you to kind of understand both sides of the conversation at that one moment, because you feel for her. She's very frustrated. She wants that commitment. She can't get it. And he seems to kind of, out of nowhere, just want to end this whole conversation and take her home, which I can understand her being really upset about. On the other hand, she struck a nerve. He needs to think about this because... As much as he might want to deny it, he kind of has. I mean, there's an issue going back, one of the ones that Marv, not Marv, uh, Marty Pasco wrote, where they were having their date. It's as early in their relationship, uh, this iteration of it anyway. And he mentions that he wishes that they could get married, but, you know, with because of his life that he leads and everything, her life would be in constant danger. And she points out that as his girlfriend... She's not getting any good helping with the insurance premiums. Uh, she's constantly endangered, not just because of her job, but also because she has been branded as Superman's girlfriend in the past, and it's something that has stuck with her. It was the title of her comic for crying out loud. So it really is like he's scared of commitment, and he keeps using that as an excuse. I like where that's going. It kind of works for this version of Superman. Anyway, page seven, Clark dating Lana while Lois uh, dates Superman does not really put him in a positive light. And especially with the fact that the relationship with Lois seems to be going south and the relationship with Lana is getting better. Uh, we get to page nine, and I like Lois using this opportunity to focus on work. Getting out of the country will make things a lot easier for her without the constant reminder of Superman everywhere. Perry, Perry hiring a new employee and being on edge is a subplot that will continue to play out across both books for a little bit. Page 10, I wonder what Lana was going to say here. She walks in as Lois leaves, and she says, what's with Lois? And Clark says, she wouldn't say, but it doesn't take Einstein to figure it out. And she goes, Superman? Then I feel sorry for her. I hope too, for a very long time, until I gave up hoping, and I, uh, and Clark goes, what is it, Lana? What's wrong? She, and she just responds with nothing, just nothing. Now, what was she going to say here? Was she going to say that she settled for Clark or she had settled for Vartox? Was she going to finally admit that Superman loved Lois more than her? I mean, actually, she mentions it in the previous issue, stating that super, she knew, understood that Superman loves Lois more and kind of gave up on That's why she went to Vartox. But, uh, yeah, um, it makes you wonder what the real reason for her relationship with Clark is or any other thing. Hopefully that'll be explored later. 
Uh, page 10, the shot on, in panel one of the electric plant looks really cool to me. Now, maybe it's just the coloring, but I know around this point, Kurt Swan was working with Joe Kubert to sort of upgrade his artistic tricks. And this may be the result of that. The angle used, uh, the negative space, the, the, the shadowing on the buildings, the detail of the power plant in the front, in the foreground, the storm in the background. It, it just looks really cool here. And that will be included in the show notes. Uh, page 13, I like the mention of his old robots for the old continuity buffs. I feel bad for the new kids that are like, he used to have robots. But, you know, whatever. Uh, panel 6 on page 14 starts a running gag of nobody knowing what Abraxas is. People keep mentioning it. And what the heck is Abraxas? Even Clark says it at one point. The pe press conference scene. Now, normally this would seem very out of character for Superman. And, you know, for the most part, it does very much seem that way. But let's let's review the facts here. All right. His relationship with Lois has re literally just come to an end. An unhappy end. These robots are making Superman seem obsolete to the point where people are asking if he's still even needed. And Lois literally just walked out the door to leave the country for who knows how long. Right when he's really needing the, her support the most. I mean, he can't go to Lana. He's in a relationship with Lana, but that's his Clark. So he can't use her for support. Not use, but he can't go to her for support. And as Clark, he can't go to any of his other friends and as has been established several times... He, the, the, his friends won't really let him or allow him to time for that support as Superman. Lois would have, but they're not together anymore. So you put all that together and the fact that a very, very evil man whom he thought was dead just revealed himself, not that way, and you can see where he wouldn't really be acting like normal. Uh, page 22, normally this story would... This kind of a story would end with Superman taking uh, Vandal Savage back to Earth 2 to answer for his crimes there, but him not doing that here doesn't seem right. However, after I thought about it for a second, you know, if the whole Infinite Earths thing, scenario isn't no, public knowledge to everybody, because the, the crowd doesn't seem to understand the concept, what is this other Earth thing? You know, if he does that in front of all these people, he could technically be charged like maybe with kidnapping maybe because i mean he take vandal savage away vandal savage has absolutely no record on earth one no one knows who he is uh and like i said like they said no record he's clean and so superman just takes him away and he's gone forever uh, yeah that does not look good on superman and i don't know that they'd actually carry it out but considering this other stuff it really could happen so it's not a completely bad idea that he let him go for now. Meanwhile, I also did like the appearances of Inspector Henderson here. He shows up on by maybe three whole pages, maybe two. It doesn't happen too often pre-crisis. But of course, as we know from the post-crisis stuff, Marv Wolfman was very influenced in his Superman love or adoration. Uh, thanks to the George Reeves Superman Adventures of Superman TV show. So, and Inspector Henderson was a big part of that show so of course he would try to put him in here again he's not in here all that often but this is not the last time we'll see him uh, overall though i thought that this was a pretty good kickoff to this new era uh you can sort of feel that there is a change without a whole lot actually changing i mean really the only main change 
is that Lois and Superman have split up. But we have some subplots being introduced here. We have the whole big plot with Vandal Savage being introduced here. So while most of the status quo isn't changing, it's not like Superman's getting a reboot. They're not changing where he lives or any of his powers or his costume or making his fortress a crystal fortress or anything like that. But you can definitely feel the kind of refresh. Although it would have been nice if it could have happened with all those time, without all the time jumps. Because it feels like we're missing a lot of story here. I mean, technically, this story takes place across a month and a few days. Maybe a week, half a week or something like that. So, whew. And most of it you don't even get to see. So it would be nice. But, you know, it's almost like this would have been a great thing to have going on in the background beforehand. But they didn't think of it in time, you know. Also, the art is really well done. Like I said, I, I like that one page with the Metro Power. Uh, Kurt Swan is doing some really good stuff here. I like, I, not too many people do, or it doesn't seem like many people do, but I like Dave Hunt inking on Kurt Swan. They seem to meld really well together. It's not always perfect, but then again, there are some that are absolutely perfect. So, yeah, uh, it's a very clean line, but he's still able to do some of the, make it look uh, three-dimensional put in some of the shadows there's some dramatic artwork going on, on the uh, second page of the story in my opinion i like dave hunt working on superman it, or on kurt swan's superman it just looks nice to me so that's going to be it for the issue we're going to take a quick break uh, we're going to be played out by down under which was the number one song for this week by men at work and i will be right back traveling in a fight Trailhead full of zombies I met a strange lady She made me nervous She took me in and gave me breakfast And she said Do you come from a land down under? A women go and men wonder Can't you hear, can't you hear the thunder? You better run, you better take cover Charlie's Geekcast will return after these promos. The time is out of joint. The time is out of joint. The time is out of joint. The year is 1994 or 1944 or maybe 2994. Time is under threat and history is falling apart. Who will survive this crisis? And how will history be changed for those that do? Zero Hour Strikes takes you back to that DC Comics crossover and covers the entire story, issue by issue, tie-in by tie-in, as the DC Universe goes down to zero. Join Bass and Siskoid at fireandwaterpodcast.com or on iTunes, Zero Hour Strikes, a proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Remember, Legion. It's heartbreaking to have your favorite shows preempted, but look what you're getting instead. <laughs> UCAST brings you Justice League Season 2. Woo! Back in business. The Justice League faces their greatest foe. This is a chance to rid ourselves of the League once and for all. 
Dark Side, Brainiac, Doctor Destiny, Lex Luthor, Amazo, Vandal Savage, Eclipso, The Joker, Harley Quinn, The Royal Flush Gang, The Secret Society of Supervillains, and themselves. Dale Ucast Season Two available on iTunes and Apple Podcasts and at FirewaterPodcast.com. Always have to be the hero, don't you? Right back at you. We now return to Charlie's Geekcast. All right, and we're back, and I've got no emails, and I've got no comments, so we've got no feedback to go over, so I guess we'll just end the episode. So I want to thank you all for listening, uh, and come back next time when we dive into week two of this new era with Superman number 383, and I will see you then. Take care. Thank you for listening to Charlie's GeekCast. Feedback for the show can be sent to charliesgeekcast at gmail.com or you can feel free to leave a comment at the show's posting at charliesgeekcast.com. All images and music heard on the show are copyright their respective copyright holders and are used for entertainment purposes only. No infringement is intended. Charlie's GeekCast is a proud member of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network. Please be sure to stop by Two True Freaks to check out more great shows. Thank you again for listening and good night. Good night.